I think the spirit of the Highlands and Islands is a resilience and a stubbornness that's about whatever life chucks at you, you'll just carry on and you'll make do and you'll 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 not just survive, you'll thrive. And that to me is what the spirit of the Highlands is. Yeah, for me, I think the spirit of the Hebrides is about community. Um, it's a big part of being out here. It's a relatively um, sparsely populated area. Um, so it's an interesting uh, environment to live in out here. You know, you really value every person. And when someone moves away, you really miss it. And when someone moves here, you really value them as well for, you know, coming and spending time here and really add into the community. Yeah, freedom and caring and kindness. If, is that cheesy? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, lo- I just feel really at home and free here. You can do whatever you want. To me, it's having the freedom to go out into wild places and just roam about and explore and seeing what turns up. Because quite often something does turn up and, and it's amazing. Community, hospitality, um, look after your own, but your own is everyone, I guess. Um, actually, I find that quite easy. To me, it's the people in the place. Because you can't have... The two are interrelated. You can't have one without the other. Yeah. If I asked you to define the spirit of the place you lived, how easy would you find it? I'm Peter Knowles, and for the past year, I've been travelling to every corner of the Scottish Highlands and Islands and asking the people who live and work there exactly that. Over the next four episodes, join me as I take you on a whistle-stop tour of some of the places we've visited and introduce you to some of the people we spoke with. Welcome to Spirit, Discovering the Highlands and Islands. When you think about the Highlands and Islands, whether or not you visited, what comes to mind? Maybe it's the view out from here, on the rocky banks of Loch Ness. Or perhaps it's somewhere like Summerhead at the very edge of Shetland, gazing across the Atlantic. Or is it the middle of a busy pub, fire roaring, live music filling the warm air? Our first trip to the region was in March 2022. It was my first time to the Highlands and Islands. The furthest north I'd been before this had been an overnight work trip to Dundee. We based ourselves in Inverness for a week, hired a car and set about finding as many people to speak with as we could. Many of them, while we chatted, spoke of the region I was expecting. Unique landscapes, a rich, welcoming culture, Gaelic, whiskey and wildlife. One of the first we met was Roddy. Oh, usually when I'm out with my wife, she always says, tell them another story or, you know, tell them the story about this or the story about that. Roddy's lived in the Highlands for over 50 years, and its wildlife never ceases to amaze him. Oh, the wildlife. Oh, that's the thing. People just don't see the wildlife. It's going on all the time. Oh, I mean, I, I'm a, I, I'll see an eagle when I'm out, but it doesn't bother me. It's up there, so it's just another eagle. Or, oh, there's the stags, and, and one time an otter ran over my foot. It was trying. It was trying to escape a storm, and I'm sitting in a little uh, cosy corner watching the storm smashing onto the cliffs, and this otter came running up from the base of the cliffs, 
completely oblivious as me, and I'm sitting with my feet out, and it just ran across me like that, and went, and I thought, how close can you get to an otter, you know? And then, if you, oh, look, you've got me going here. Um, because I've seen things that people don't believe. That same day, we spoke to Suzanne. To call Suzanne a champion of the Gaelic language is to undersell her. She's a passionate advocate for all things Gaelic, as I found out when I asked what the Gaelic promoting group she heads up was called. Coulterloun. Coulterloun. Coulter, culture. Coulterloun is, I suppose, just like a place that you gather stuff into. So you've got the library. So the Gaelic word for book is Lior. So Lior in Gaelic, Lorloun is a library. So Coulterloun. In Kultar Laun. Inner niche. Inner niche. Inner niche. Inner niche. Inverness. Inner niche. Ooh, you guys are good. The more we spoke, the more I understood why Suzanne felt Gaelic formed such a huge part of Highland and Island culture. Language has always been you know, it's it's an underest you know it's, a, it's it's an underestimation to say it was you know important. It was just huge to to the culture, and of course it was a way of of, uh, of um, you know continuously uh, passing on the culture is is through the language and the poetry and the stories and so on. So that's you know that's keeping the language, uh, keeping the identity. You know, this is who we are through the through the, through the language and the poetry and so on, and that's still. That's still with us. That's still here today. And um, what makes it beautiful, is, I just don't know the sound of it. Gaelic has a lot of this aspiration and a lot of breathiness in it. And I think that that's very attractive. And I think that, you know, I, I always think about the Highlands as, you know, compared to the Mediterranean, where everything is very, the colours are very vivid and very stark. You know, the sea's very blue and the sky's very blue. Everything in the it was in Scotland. The colours are much softer, and and that has to do with the climate. And I often think, I wonder if that's somehow connected to the language. And then I think, well, because the house is very lumpy, it's very kind of up and down. I often think, I wonder if that's also got this. So we have this kind of, you know, uh, I don't know. I have no explanation for why the language is beautiful. I just think it is. Well, it's because it's because it's the language of heaven, obviously. So, you know, for me, um, learning Gaelic, speaking Gaelic, promoting Gaelic, encouraging people to learn Gaelic is also about justice. I think I, I, I feel that's a sort of restoration of, of the language to give it back its, its status. Uh, at least that, uh, at least that to, to restore the language to its proper status that, that I believe it should have as a, you know, noble and ancient language, like English and like Greek and, you know, Italian and, and it's an extremely, Beautiful language, and I'm not in the least bit biased. <laughs> it is rich, beautiful, most fabulous songs and poetry. And yeah, I, I think people should have um, access to that. Let's, let's, open, let's open up the Gaelic doors and let people explore this, uh, this other thing that we have, this beautiful, valuable treasure that we have in our country. And that is so much part of our, sorry, of our landscape and, you know, You'll see that wherever you go, our place names and, you know, the land was peopled by Gaelic speaking. It was the, it was the Gaelic language that animated the land. That's kind of how I see it. So 
Right, I'll just have a sip of coffee. Later that evening, we found ourselves in the malt room, a frankly glorious whiskey bar on Inverness's Church Street. We got talking to Charlie, who was working behind the bar, and he invited us back the next day to speak some more. While we were chatting, he managed to sum up all these different elements of the highlands and islands, which had been starting to emerge as we travelled around. What is it? I mean, it's, you can't answer this question, but no, I don't think anyone can, but it's, what is it that's just so... There's such a, like, a unique draw mm. to this part of the world. What? I, think, I think it's a mixture of the culture, the heritage, the history, the people, and the land, to be honest. I think if one individual thing was by itself, it would, it would be okay, it would be amazing, but I think the, the accumulation of all these together just as a perfect blend. It's the perfect marriage together of of history, culture and, and people, you know. Uh, I've been quite lucky to travel around the world and everyone sees Scotland in such a high regard. Uh, but I think people see the, the tartan kilts and the, the Jimmy Hat side of Scotland. But when they come to Scotland, they actually fall in love with it. And uh, I used to work as a tour guide traveling around Scotland. And uh, it was amazing being able to be able to speak to people and show off Scotland. and. Obviously, I'm very passionate about my country. I love my country, but if I can make anyone feel like they've came to Scotland and had an experience and basically left thinking, oh, that's a great country, I've done my job. And it's the best, it's the best feeling in the world. It really is the best feeling in the world. Culture, heritage, history, people, land. This was exactly what I'd been expecting. But in that very same bar, I also started to get a sense of an even bigger picture of a Highlands and Islands that's dynamic, constantly shifting and evolving. Meet Moa. Yeah, no, sorry, my name is Moa. Um, and I'm from Sweden, from the highlands of Sweden. Um, I'm living in Inverness for about five years now. And don't know if I could ever move back. You know, it's, once you've learned the banter and what banter is, you can't unlearn it. It would be hard to go back now. So do you think, you think you're settled here now? Is this, is this home? I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. I mean, I, I, I can't imagine going back full time. It, it just wouldn't work. I've been home, I was home in October and it's just, I, I don't know. It, it feels sad because it's obviously my country and I, I love Sweden, but it's just not Scotland. It's just not that... Hi, nice to see you. Like I, I, I opened, like gave my friends big hugs when I came back and said, could I please have? But I forgot that in Swedish, we don't have a way of saying, can I please have? We just say, I want, thanks. And all of these small things um, make a massive difference. Even in the airport, when you start meeting Scot Scottish people, they're like, oh, excuse me, I'm sorry, here you go. And I, I feel like Sweden's not that easy. It's more like, you know, when the pandemic hit and people said you had to stay two meters away, a lot of Swedes were like, how do we have to stand that close to each other? You know, like, really? And I don't know, a night out in, in Scotland doesn't beat a whole year, in, in my opinion. The next day, with Moa's story still fresh in my mind, I spoke with Professor David Worthington, a historian at the University of the Highlands and Islands. I asked him a question that referred to somewhere in the Western Isles as remote, and he, quite rightly, was quick to dispel that preconception. I would pick you up on one word there, if you don't mind, respectfully, remote. And I think that we have to define what we're remote from. If you look from the perspective of sky in the 14th and 15th centuries, or Orkney, you're not necessarily remote. From sky, you've got a view to a whole clan Donald world that expands across the North Channel to Ireland and opens you up there. 
from Orkney, you have a perspective that looks over to Norway and to Scandinavia. So if we define everything in terms of Edinburgh and London, it's easy to say we're remote. And a BBC weather map will perhaps suggest that even more than is the case. But I think that's where I would say no. It's quite a diverse region, the Highlands and Islands. It obviously has a very powerful Gaelic heritage, and that's part of it, a massive part of it, but it's not everything. And there's a very strong Norse or uh, all sorts of other elements to that. So you can find learning there, definitely. Slowly but surely, over the course of this first week, any preconceptions I'd had of the Highlands and Islands as some kind of self-contained bubble of dramatic landscapes and their populations were being challenged. And once that bubble had been popped, there was no going back. Just off Inverness High Street is Choco Bakehouse. It's owned by Fernando. My name is Fernando Basaldua. Basaldua, double Basaldua. And I am from Mexico. And I'm a baker, chef. Oh, I don't know what I am, really. <laughs> and uh, just I moved to the Highlands on 2019, December 2019. And then... And I open a bakery here, and that, that's me. The story Fernando told us about the early days of his bakery during multiple COVID lockdowns was one of the local community rallying around its newest members. The culture, I didn't see so much because I guess all the people I've been meet during all this time has been amazing, very supporting. Um, also, when our business it was like in some point we didn't have a staff. Our own customers offered to us to help. Okay, we help you. And they came. We have a, a, a lovely, uh, she's a teacher of music here. Used to be a teacher of music, always still working of that a little bit. Is Alison. She popped to the shop and said, oh, you don't have anyone. And she was in, washing dishes and was like, I don't problem serving tables. And was like, and she's our customer who came every day and didn't stop, and after she said, I can help you once or two weeks, two hours, if you want. And uh, we use a lot here, <laughs> we got all the time. And then it's like, the, I left everything, I got to help you. And, it's, and I feel that it's, it's very similar like Mexico, that thing, because it's like you have friends and you use your friends, really. I mean, the relationship between friends is the, okay, friends are for everything for have fun, for a, but also for help, or for have a chat, or for everything. So I felt that until now, all our friends have been like that. Also, my family-in-law has been supporting in the very, very hard time that we passed. Well, we still at some point, you know, but they always been like, all right, no, keep going, this thing, how are you, what do you need, uh, all this kind of thing. So between people, I didn't, I haven't found any different. It's what? I think it's the same. Finally, on the last day of our trip, we found ourselves at Shimka, the Scottish Highlands and Islands and Murray Chinese Association, with Monica. So oh. why, did you, why did you come to... Why, why Scotland? No, I never thought that I would come to Scotland. But when I was in Hong Kong, I studied in the conference school, and we are supposed to have blue ribbon. We have picked out, yeah? And I, for some reason, I always buy tartan. And I always get picked on. <laughs> Monica Lee, come up. <laughs> but no, uh, I was in Strowbridge first, and then I went to Germany because of my ex-husband. And then when he came up, when he retired, he worked for the council. So he came up. That's what it is. I would never thought of Scotland. You know? How was it coming into that 
kind of culture. And Tell you one thing, not me, but my mother. You know, when I came up with my mom on the train arriving in Inverness uh, station, there was all these you know, seagulls, so big. And she said, look at the dogs. <laughs> and then she said, the fresh air, you know, although sometimes, you know, you can have a whiff of the, you know, the farm manure. But she said, it's so lovely. And the water is so sweet. And you turn on the tap, it's ice coming. You don't even need to put it in the fridge. And then you can just drink it like that. In London, no. <laughs> we were only meant to speak with Monica for about an hour. I think in the end, it was closer to three. She insisted on giving us lunch. Lovely steamed dumplings in the cafe space the association opens for community meals three days a week. Between mouthfuls, I asked her more about the work her organisation did. In the Highland, beyond Perth, beyond Aberdeen, we are the only Chinese association. Wow. <laughs> so we cover as far as Aberdeen, actually. During the COVID, the NHS Grampian asked me if I can reach for them the unreachable, i.e. people who have no status, uh, floating around because they want everybody to be covered. And then all I did is post something in the East chart, and up 150 people got, you know, vaccinated. And then using the association address, because they don't want people to know where they live, but they all wanted to be protected. Mm. So I can say 99.9% of us are all vaccinated three times. Yeah, they, they are anxious to get it, mm. you know, and then we, we're so used to it. You know, you, something you protect, you love your family, love your people around you to protect yourself, to do that. If you don't protect yourself, how can you, you know, yeah, love thy neighbor or whatever. <laughs> Monica's work seemed the perfect distillation of the spirit that we've been introduced to on this first trip. It was all about building bridges, existing communities welcoming newcomers in, and those newcomers keen to find their own place in communities that had existed for years, sometimes centuries. The Highlands and Islands are undeniably everything you might expect before you visit. I defy anyone not to have their soul stirred as they look out across one of the great locks. But spend even a week here. Look a little bit beyond the images on postcards and fridge magnets, and you'll quickly discover a region that's pulsing with more stories than you could ever have expected. Next time, we travel to the North Coast and the Northern Isles, Orkney and Shetland, and find out more about the region's hospitality. See you then. This podcast is part of the Spirit of the Highlands and Islands, a partnership project between the Highland Council and High Life Highland, which is delivered in collaboration with Visit Scotland. The Spirit of the Highlands and Islands project is supported by a grant from the Natural and Cultural Heritage Fund, led by Nature Scott and funded by the European Regional Development Fund. For more information and to hear more stories from the people we spoke with, visit discoverhighlandsandislands.scot. The podcast was produced by Smartify, written by Peter Knowles, with sound design by Renato Camillo.